and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Sai, one of the editors for Anime Feminist, and today I'm joined by Caitlin and Peter to give you the 411 on the winter anime season for this year. We're a bit late on it because life, but hey, we're here to chat about what's been happening so far in this 2023 season. Hi, I'm Caitlin Moore. I am one of the managing editors for Anime Feminist, as well as a reviewer for Anime News Network. I'm very sleepy today, so I'm not sure how this is going to go, but we'll see. Right, and I'm uh, Peter Phobian. I'm manager of YouTube content and strategy at Crunchyroll and an editor here at Anime Feminist. I'm at Peter Phobian on Twitter. Yeah, there's a lot of anime this year. Oh, I guess this year has just only started. There's a lot of anime this winter. <laughs> more to come. Oh, God. It's 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 like the, uh, what is that, uh, All Stars by Smash Mouth. The years stop coming and they don't stop coming. It's the oh, same with anime. Yeah. Oh, I was out last night. That song came on and everyone in the room started singing along. It was so good. <laughs> Everyone talks a big game about how bad that song is, but we all love it deep in our hearts. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so um, I guess for people listening, if you've never joined us for one of our mid-season shows before, uh, we generally use our Premier Digest, which will be linked in the show notes. However, we also have from our Patreon some, uh, some input on shows that everyone really kind of wants to hear us talk about. And, by the way, if you want to hear about a particular show, you can always become a patron and vote to make sure that we talk about your top choices at patreon.com slash animefeminist. Just throwing that out there. So, what show are we talking about first, y'all? Well, I will tell you. Uh, so, the it's the literally our bottom show in the oh, pit of shame. It's sure. also, also one of our top requested Patreon titles. Oh, we is, hitting up that sugar apple fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, we usually skip over anything red flag or below, but we do need to talk about Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. Yeah, yeah. Well, it had like it was red flags, but also uh, maybe potential. I mean, we'll discuss, but oh, uh, yeah. there were potential themes. Uh, it just also was doing the uh, the now. I suppose we could call it classic uh, fantasy slavery trope. It gets so close at times. You know, <laughs> it gets so close because it does like it does seem to genuinely understand certain things. And the discourse is always like, well, the slavery anime isn't, you know, isn't based on like the chattel slavery, blah, 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 blah. But like there are elements to this that are like to the slavery system that they have in this world that are do correspond to chattel slavery like they give fairies human names they take away the fairies names and give them na names of their oppressors and it gets so close mm -hmm. but then it's also like there's like a kink element to it that's like um which you know not to kink shame whatever float problematic kinks it still whatever floats your boat i guess but like but also the series is so chaste that it's just all like really really muddled yeah i think that's a really good way to put it because this series in a weird way reminds me a lot of uh gone with the wind and i can't quite pinpoint why that is and i think it's probably just a lot of the motifs also i think it needs being said that like i know a lot of people 
feel like, okay, chattel slavery is a very American thing, and it is. It also needs being said that, like, Japan has had a really deep connection with America while it was a chattel slavery country since the mid-1800s. So, like, when you... And also, Japan, as a colonizing country, has done its own fair share of sexual slavery. So, like... Right, because they keep asking her, basically, if he's her sex slave. It's uncomfortable, and I hate it. I hate like, it. Oh, it's really gross. Like they they call him her a con- a companion fairy, but we all know that's just a euphemistic way of calling her calling him her sex slave. Yeah, and like that that kind of can't be untangled from this because that's partially why I dropped it was I was just like I don't want to sit through a season of this um, because it makes me uncomfortable. And I I mean, me being a black person, it's really hard for me to understand why um, slavery is a part of like any kind of fantasy like power fantasy or any kind of romantic story mm-hmm. because you know it's it, it that is in my blood like i am someone who is kind of born from that really horrific history um and so yeah it's just like uncomfortable but this is also so chaste that mm-hmm. like and i think that's part of what's actually quite frightening is that it is so chaste that it kind of undercuts the the actual horror of what is being done to like this humanoid species uh, like, for their benefits. I wish it hadn't turned around and like turned into him like choosing to stay with her after <sighs> she freed him. God. Because like I was honestly more on board whenever she was like trying to be friendly and he's like, no, like we're not buddies. If you want me, I'm not going to choose to do something for you. Yeah. Stop asking me to do things nicely. You bought me, and if it makes you uncomfortable to give me an order, that's your fucking problem. Like, yeah. I wish they had stuck with that. Yeah, because it's it's know? a little it's a little bit too much of like the good slave owner that you fall in love with because they're they they show you a little bit of humanity. It's just like, oh, gross. <laughs> I would I I did like it better when he was like, no, like I don't I don't want your handouts. I don't want your kindness. You did this horrible thing to me and you sometimes leverage it even though you say you're not going to do that. And so like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And I think I'm still, I think I am going to continue watching it. Cause like it's bad, but it's bad in an interesting way. Yeah, I you know might, what I mean? I might pick like, it up again. It's bad in a way that is worth discussing. And I honestly, mm-hmm. all y'all out there listening, I don't think I'm the one to write the article about it, but if anyone did want to write about how the show kind of depicts that and the issues with it. Like I would be super on board with it (laughs) just so you know, putting that out there if anyone wants to pitch to us, but yeah, sugar apple fairy tale, not a recommendation. It feels like it's kind of hearkening this thing, which is that like for the past few seasons, every once a season, we just get like a little slavery as a treat. (laughs) Um, And it's really, it's really upsetting. It's always upsetting. And it's always like a little, just like. Is it just a little slavery as a treat? I feel like every season now, there's at least two or three. Oh, God. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, it's more. Than Literally, one. the next title okay. up is "Strongest Exorcist," in which uh, it perfectly replicates the Rising of the Shield Hero subplot, where the girl chooses to continue being a slave. Be- she doesn't want to be freed because she loves her master so much. What is? 
Ugh. It's like a gold. Okay, so it's like a golden corral of slavery. It's just like a buffet of the the worst trope. And like I said, like I maybe I'm very biased because I'm black and live in America. <laughs> but like, I think I, you're allowed to be biased about that. Yeah, yeah, biased against slavery. Yeah, I think it's, it's, <laughs> that's my hot take. I'm biased against slavery. I don't think it's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe sugar fairy. Maybe maybe the plot twist of Sugar Apple Fairy Tale will be that like, I think I think his name is pronounced Chal. Um, we'll just like Chal Chal. Um, maybe he'll just like fully reject her. <laughs> he'll just he'll just be like, thanks for freedom, deuces. I'm out. Yeah. I'm gonna start a revolution. Yeah, I was gonna say lead a bloody revolution. I mean, he, <laughs> she's already freed him. Yeah. 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 Like maybe 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 he's just playing some weird long con. Uh um i don't like that any better <laughs> but so are we uh we're moving on to yeah. reincarnate the reincarnation of the strongest exorcist in another world Jesus well I, Christ, I don't know, i think i feel like the only thing i might have said about that i already said with the the shield hero thing and typically we don't really talk about mm. pit of shame titles anyway yeah. although is it worth discussing onimai in particular i i no. <laughs> I, I was going to say, no. I think we could pass by it. Okay. I, Chiaki's I have... been doing great tweet threads about it. Very, mm -hmm. like, very balanced. Yeah. Um, very, like... <laughs> Are they balanced? <laughs> I mean, I, they, Chiaki is one of the few people who I, I trust to talk about this. But you know what I mean. Like, listen, Chiaki's got some problematic interests but she's doing a very good job about talking about the elements of it that draw trans people to it about the euphoric elements while also like not like alighting the lowly con elements yeah. you know I, um they're mm, they're good they're good tweet threads yeah. i my only comment is i stand by what i'm quoted as saying on wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> same okay, same fully here. stand by it like you want to you want to hear our thoughts? Go to Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> I have a whole paragraph. Well, Let's keep flags. moving. Yeah, we've got Ninkin Fushin, which, uh, no thanks. I don't think. Oh, I, I'm the only one who even has maybe can watch the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I Kashi Triangle, which is uh, just a big old bomb. Yeah. Angel Next Door, nobody's watching. Uh, yeah. Trigon Stampede, which was on our requests list. Okay. So I'm I'm behind on everything because life life from a feminist perspective, but like specifically talking about how women are depicted. Mm. I watched the original. I don't have super clear memories of it, but like, you know, I love it a lot. One of the big anime of from when I got into it, the conventions were crawling with bashes from a feminist perspective. It's very, very frustrating to see the two major female characters. One is removed entirely and replaced by a grizzled old man. And one's personality has been removed and is the audience surrogate. Because Meryl and Roberto, thus far in the narrative, exist 100% for Meryl to go, what's that? And then Roberto explains. And... That is it. That is all they do. Uh, Meryl has not shot a gun once. It's not. Yeah, I'm not curious great. about that. And, and she was in the manga, right? 
I don't, I haven't read the manga, okay. but yeah, I Yeah, I've never so. read the manga, so I don't know if she was in the manga as Derringer Merrill, uh, like she was in the original anime, where <laughs> famous for having a uh, hundred Derringers, and now she doesn't have a single gun. Um. So, yeah, but, so I am coming from it of, from the perspective of knowing the original anime, of loving the original anime, and honestly, very, very deeply preferring the original anime, because... And I know it's partially because of the shorter run times, but the new Trigun is just, it is hammering out those plot points. Um, there's no joy to it. There's no playfulness. There's no mystery. Everything gets revealed like pretty much right away. Because let, let me ask, because I'm, I'm someone who's never seen Trigun and I was really hesitant to start Trigun Stampede because I wasn't sure. Is this a sequel or is this a remake? It is a retelling. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm still enjoying it. I'm watching it with Jared, who hasn't seen the original, and he's really enjoying it. And every time I'm like, they reveal, there's no mystery to it. He's like, well, that's because you know everything. I don't feel like I know everything that's happening in the story. So it might be a better experience to people who didn't watch the original, who don't have the experience expectations i will say though it is stunning it is such a beautiful show like orange really knocked it out of the park visually orange uh once again pulled an orange oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it might be their best looking show at this point like they've got all these like painted backgrounds and you know, I feel like with CG anime historically, their facial expressions have been very stiff <laughs> and not an issue at all here. Super expressive. They just really, really nailed it visually. I like the new character designs. I think Vash is super cute. Wolfwood is not causing 500,000 sexual awakenings simultaneously like the original one did, but since this is more similar to the manga, it's probably better that way uh, for reasons that I, you know, I mean, it's, I won't spoil them. Yeah, I definitely get what you're saying about how it's kind of joyless. I really felt like, uh, at least my my recollection of the original Trigun, it was a 24-episode series, and I, I feel like Stampede is probably going to be 26. 12, 26, geez. Uh, so like the, in the first half, it was primarily just like hijinks. Uh, you, they would, they would be like some b bad cowboy and mm -hmm. bash would beat them and eat donuts. And there would be a lot of goofs and, uh, the characters would kind of hang out and spend time together. But in a, but there was reduced... also all this foreshadowing. Yeah. 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 Every once in a while you'd hear a villain talking. Yeah. And this one, they just like a legato blue summer showed up in like, what was it, like episode four or something. Five. Episode four or five. Uh, it just feels like they just got it. And the, the, I mean, the second half is just like everything falling apart, lots of depression, misery. And I feel like that's just being front loaded. And, you know, I haven't read the manga, so maybe it just is that just dark all the way through. And the anime was really the thing that kind of made it more up uplifting and funny. Um, but uh, the original anime that is, but yeah, this one has felt for me very, very dark by comparison. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not getting any of the the fun that I got in the original series, they just have to move on to right onto the the bash and knives uh, contest. 
Which is such a shame because in the first episode, Vatch is still a pretty fun character. Yeah. You know, I think about that what rope joke and I and I smile. Yeah. Or yeah, the way he like cackles while he is hanging upside down in the desert. Yeah, that was such a good intro. Yeah. Like and he's he's such to, a like, goofball in that episode. Too. I think that's the goofiest Meryl spin as well. That and that's the Vash that I love. Yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah, also, I, I've noticed it more this time. I can't remember if the original Trigun had... Uh, there's definitely the the REM element, um, but yeah. this one has the new um, kind of Mentoris uh, f- from the plant uh, after the crash, who kind of just becomes REM 2. And I, I, I don't know if that's in the manga, um, but it does definitely feel like Trigun has this kind of like holy mother thing uh that's going on that i didn't really that didn't really wasn't so in your face in the original anime that i'm not quite sure how to feel about it's it's always like i don't know specifically because it's somebody that knives kind of menaces as a way to drive um uh, like conflict between the two of them Mm -hmm. so that just that feels odd i i don't know if she's i don't think she's a character in, in the original anime. I'm not sure about the manga, but it's interesting that just like uh, someone who filled the narrative role of Rem appeared almost immediately after Rem died. Definitely. Yeah. Gorgeous. Good fights. Uh, I, I do really like Vash when he gets to be the Vash that I know and love, but yeah, it does kind of feel like a lot of the charm of the series has uh, taken a backseat to uh, just like narrative development. All right. What's next? Tomo-chan. I was going to say Tomo-chan. Yeah, yeah, which is also another uh, requested title. So I I just want to start off by saying that uh, Sally Amaki is queen and does Carol so much justice. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> love her so much. In both languages. Right. Yeah, because I, I, I did watch the dub because I yep. was like, I, I was just like, oh, I want to I wanna hear how this sounds. And Carol is the funniest part of the show. Yeah protect her at all cost yeah i I really i it's it's funny too because i feel like she really fills kind of a a common trope in this kind of series Mm -hmm. uh that so you kind of expect a very kind of like rote uh portrayal of her where she's just the one who always like is buying really expensive things and it doesn't really think about money and makes the other characters kind of feel uncomfortable for being poor but uh they really developed her out. In fact, I'd say for the first like half to two thirds of the series, the basically the reason I kept coming back to the series was because of Misuzu and Carol. I feel yeah. like they're the real strong characters. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 both kind of tropes, um, but they really are like fully developed characters. I like that Carol's sort of supposed to be acts the way you would think a dumb character acts but she is not dumb at all yeah she's super yeah. smart yeah she's very smart and she and misuzu like scheme against each other sometimes and i really like how they're co-equal in that way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i also think carol's really charming because uh like in the beginning it, she, i guess she didn't have too many friends so now that she has friends she's like super touchy-feely i guess which of course misuzu hates um but one of my favorite tropes in the series is uh her like intentionally saying something kind of to make somebody annoyed enough to like put her in a headlock or something. Uh, 
<laughs> so you see Tomo's got her in a headlock, but she's just like goofing in the head. She, she's like enjoying being in the headlock. I really like that. She's just such she's just such a wonderful character. Like yeah, yeah. I like I liked her from the moment I saw her and then when she did that headband, like returning the headband. Oh my god. Like, that scene yeah. <laughs> had me on the floor. That was so good. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about how the show handles specifically Tomo's gender presentation and her relationship with June. Because I feel yeah, like... Yeah, for sure. That's the thing. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like that is complicated mm-hmm. because, yeah. I mean, June has been attracted for Tomo to tr- Tomo for a long time, right? Like, that's the whole thing is that, like, the reason he doesn't treat her like a girl is because he very much recognizes um that his feelings for her are changing and mm-hmm. he's super freaked out by that so and in the last episode i watched which is not the most recent episode because once again i am behind on everything misuzu mm-hmm. mm-hmm. talks a bit about how like oh we keep trying to change tomo to make her more girly but like that doesn't seem that's not help like that's not helping her that's not what june that's not what june is looking for because he likes her for her and i think that's great but i also feel like there are moments where it's like oh we're gonna give tomo a makeover and june is like oh so is it it feels like it's not being fully consistent to me about it because mm-hmm. i love the whole thing where it's like tomo doesn't have to change he likes tomo how she is um and i also like if tomo wants to be a little bit more fluid in her presentation like i also think that's fine like you know tomo shouldn't feel like um she is pigeonholing herself she should be able to you know move back and forth like i'm sorry did this just turn into a therapy session for high school caitlin um (laughs) uh but you know it's i I just feel like it's not fully consistent and it's kind of hard to get a draw on it which i mean also they're high school students experimenting so that's not you know totally wrong yeah but but I get what you mean because it's 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 interesting because like on one hand, Tomo is still held to the same expectations of like Japanese women and Japanese like teenagers in terms of in terms of her being her identifying as like a cis you know woman and a cis girl. But then like yeah, there are those moments where like June is just like flabbergasted that Tomo a girl is a girl. And it kind of, I don't know, the joke as it, as it's kind of going on, the joke is kind of starting to sting more and more because it's just like, mm, mm, I, mm, June, get it together, dude. I know you're in high school, but like also. I just think the conversation around it needs to have like, you know, I, I don't feel like I can, can make a call around it being all good or all bad or even, you know. Either way, I think there needs to be a nuanced conversation around it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I actually, I, I read all the manga uh, okay. to research the title for, because I'm working on the series. Uh, so I, my hot take on the series is that it, literally it was just 
the gags from the first episode when it started out. And I don't think the author really figured out uh, the show's dynamic or Tomo-chan, or I should just call her Tomo, as a character until maybe the flashback episode. Um, because before that, the Tomo seems kind of inconsistent before that. And I, I think it's much better realized after, I don't know, maybe the person figured out like how Tomo was as a kid, like the weird incident in middle school and then what happened afterward. Um, at which point I, I, I liked Tomo a lot more and also kind of the central conflict where it was, I do think the series tries to come back around and say like, no, it was Masuzu saying Tomo needs to be more feminine that really fucked everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Masuzu like specifically states that. And I feel weird because I, I, I guess Masuzu straight out said it already in the anime at this point. Um, it becomes a bigger plot point later on, but I don't know how much we should be discussing things that haven't <laughs> happened yet. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I I feel like it, it ended a lot stronger and the person, the author really figured out what they were doing with, with the entire plot after the fact. So I'm, I'm interested in to see how you both would feel once the story's completed. Yeah. Cause right. I, I, cause like I, I still feel invested in this because I like Tomo. I just kind of wish it's weird. I, I don't know if it's weird to say, I wish the show respected her a little bit more for who mm. she is. Um, because I think there needs to be space within femininity for like women who are women and girls who are cis, but like present more masculine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just it just it just keeps rubbing me weird that like sometimes that joke will creep back in, and you're like, no, 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 get out of here, go. Yeah, go away. listen, like I said, this is a, a series that does hit home for my high school self. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you know, when I was in my mid twenties, I I did like have a turnaround. I'm like, maybe there's there will be days where I want to be more girly. Um, you know, actually dresses are great because you just put them on and then you're done and they're comf- they can be really comfortable. Um, but like, I was very, very like, I don't, for all of high school, I was like, I don't wear makeup. I don't wear dresses. I don't wear pants. I don't do any of that girly stuff. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a not like other girls thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's because that's, that's how it always gets framed now. It's like, it's just like, oh, you're going through your not like other girls phase. But there are cis women who just have a more gender neutral or masculine presentation. And I think that deserves to be like that. Is, that is something that I have searched for for a long time, you yeah. know, where the plot line isn't she needs to learn to be more girly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish we talked about the show either at the actual midseason or directly after the next episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think this is going to be a fun discussion once the series is over. Or because, yeah, yeah I, I do feel like the author intended to kind of reverse on the original direction and kind of like respect Tomo as as uh, in in all of her tomboyishness. Um, as far as execution, I'm really curious to see how you both felt the series pulled it off yeah i'm really i'm really excited to circle back around to this one anyway <laughs> what's next what do we got spy classroom uh i dropped after three no one else is watching it yeah i was gonna say i dropped that one too it's 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 um it's boring. Just such a nothing burger it's mm. boring 
saving 80k. Uh, I wish I could be. Yeah. <laughs> Revenger is like the next one. I started watching that one with Jared. Okay. Um, it's you know it is an apparently an early Gen Urobuchi script. Oh, and it's like it's from early in his career. Yes, so that makes apparently so much this was sense. like one of the first thing he wrote, which is why it's <laughs> just such like edge lordy. It's pure, just like all of the hallmarks of his work without like anything else to filter it through. Yeah, I mean, for me, the big. I'm gonna be real with you. The big appeal of Revenger for me is boy hot. Yeah, yeah. Usui no, is really it. fucking hot, and like the um and sensei don't like his beard but also wouldn't wouldn't kick him out of bed like <laughs> you know <laughs> that that's all I, all I can really say to it it's really stupid action yeah. <laughs> it's it is pretentious and the women suffer disproportionately they do um and yeah it's it's that's booch. That's the booch. Okay. Yeah, I was I was like watching and going like, man, Urubuchi's really channeling his teenager edge lord in it, but it really might have been teenage edge lord Urubuchi that wrote this script in the first place. Yeah, it definitely does that. I know we've we've had a lot of discussions uh, among the team about how uh, the series is kind of interesting because it's focusing on like this uh, almost uh, what do you call it? like wish fulfillment of the downtrodden thing where there's some sort of uh, system of justice in place, extra extrajudicial justice, um, but also it really seems to revel in just like th- the way that people suffer and are abused. Um, who's the kid character? Okay. Yeah, when it gets into his backstory about, I guess, just being like the protege of a circus clown pedophile, and th- this this plot that it had with. I don't know, men who are kidnapped and drugged with opium so they could serve as, they, they could be dressed in women's clothes and serve as prostitutes for monks who didn't want to make their bodies impure by having sex with women is very, like, maybe there was something he could have done with that, but I feel like he just wrote it because he thought, what's the most fucked up thing I could possibly write so that they could be 100% justified in killing these people? And I feel like that's where it lands most of the time. It's not really about whether the, the suffering is like realistic or based in some sort of historical truth uh, and and wants to look at how uh, those people were um, were taking advantage of. It's more about just its place setting so that a dude can cut somebody in half or or they can get shot with a big bow and arrow and you're just like, yeah, that, that bad guy really got hurt. It's kind of like Gotham City uh, for Japan where it's just they're all super criminals and uh, like maybe the ideas are based in reality, but they're just now completely divorced from reality. And uh, the, the series itself is only interested in showing you justice getting served by vigilantes. The character designs are pretty, I mean, yeah, yeah. that's basically <laughs> that, what I said yeah. before, but like, I don't know. They're good. I really like Bow and Arrow Man. <laughs> Sensei. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do they just call him Sensei? Oh, no wonder I couldn't remember his name. Okay. <laughs> Oh wait, is Bow and Arrow Man the one that I keep seeing on Twitter that like rips through his clothes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's got <laughs> a big draw on his bow that his shirt just explodes every time he fires an arrow. No, maybe I gotta watch for a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
It's, I mean, it's a Robucci, so it's definitely kind of like super stylized, uh, kind of weird with it, um, ultra violent. And yeah, it's just like the Hot Boy Revenge Squad. So yeah, there was an episode where there was an episode where like some rando came out was like, who are you? And Jared was like, oh, bro, you're wearing historically accurate clothing. Like you are in period costume. You are not going to survive this encounter. (laughs) What are you doing? That's so funny. Uh, okay. Reborn to Master the Blade. I mean, I guess I'm the only one watching it. So <laughs> it is uh, a like 70 year old man in a teenage girl's body. Every once in a while, it likes to remind you of that. Oh, uh, and it really oh, takes fun. takes you out of it. Um, but uh, otherwise, it's a really fun series where she just like she's like a blood knight and likes to punch things uh, without consequence. Uh, but then it's like, oh, yeah, but this it's a reincarnated guy who died of old age. So um at least he's he's not the things he says are creepy but i guess it, what am i saying it could be creepier that's not a very <laughs> yeah, yeah. i feel like i feel like anime keeps waking up and choosing violence yeah i would like yeah. it to not mm-hmm. uh handyman saito nobody's watching oh. ours nobody's watching chill in my 30s uh i'm not i don't says i'm watching but i'm not walking pair of boobs unite up <gasps> uh, Wait, oh. what? <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I do have thoughts on Unite Up, which is it, it continues to be really good. Okay. It continues to be really realistic. And right. yeah, that's it. It's Yeah. Unite okay. Up, like I said um, in my A&N review for the first episode, it seems like a really, really good show. It is. I'm just not super interested in watching. That's okay. All right. <laughs> uh, near... Am I the only one watching so, this one? I haven't played the games. Mm-hmm. And I'm I in plan the to play the games. Okay. So, you know, yeah. uh, tell us what you think, but also don't tell us anything. Yeah, because okay. I was going to say, I just got onto a new route. So, like, no spoilies. Do you, do you know, like, the central, like, kind of thing about the game that, yeah. that made it so kind of like, I don't, don't want to say revolutionary, but like how it's got the multiple paths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the thing I was really hoping for, and I believe is what, in fact, what the anime is doing, uh, which is just like classic Yoko Taro, is it's, I think it's approaching the story as kind of like, this is yet another path uh, in in the video game thing. So it's not a rote retelling of the story. That's Uh, kind of what I was, that's kind of the sense that I, well, no, that is what I assumed. And that is why Jared told me that I'm not allowed to, Jared doesn't tell me what to do to be suggested. Jared told me that uh, I am not allowed to watch the anime until after I play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I don't know if that's necessary, but I think that will. Uh, I, as someone who beat the game and played it, I think I or now in, am watching it. I think I am enjoying it a lot because I'm specifically seeing things that didn't occur in the game. Okay. Which are, and in the way it's going off script, I feel is what's the interesting part about the anime. Um, so yeah, there's that. So they're already doing things that didn't happen in the in the game, and uh, now you're getting kind of. Uh, in addition, there were always kind of sides in the game where, in some of the cinematics, you kind of like follow the life of one of the robots as they kind of uh, like <laughs> became sentient and then have a little story that's very sad. <laughs> uh, they're doing new ones in the anime too. So there's more of these like Yoko Taro uh, robot asides 
And they've also had some flashbacks to Near Replicant, uh, which, so now you're, we're like wondering if it, it's going to, I mean, the stories we already know are semi-related. Um, they're in the same universe. So we don't know if that's going to further tie the stories together. Uh, if it's going to like wrap around into Replicant, uh, the, the fact that we're seeing characters and environments from Replicant, uh, or they create a lot of questions. So it's, it's a very interesting watch. Uh, as a Yoko Taro fan. Okay. So see, I, I that might actually change me over to like actively watching it now that I know, because I, I do know how the entire arc of the game goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of experiencing it for myself, but like, I like that they're taking it's kind of just another path. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way that this anime could have done it mm-hmm. instead of like a straight up, you know, very one-to-one kind of adaptation of things yeah if it was just like path a or path a through c or something like that it would be i couldn't watch it it'd be so boring (laughs) so yeah it's really interesting lots of interesting things are happening nice next is malevolence here in spawnagatari which or mononogatari which i wish other people were watching uh because i'm kind of i liked the premiere it just didn't feel like a priority to keep watching okay. lots yeah. of hot guys and gals in suits uh fighting i do like hot people in suits yeah uh it's got kind of an interesting thing i, I don't want to compare it to sugumomo but it kind of works off the same um idea there's some kind of stuff going on with the, the main girl uh her like spirit bodyguards are all items from her dowry uh, which is why they're like intrinsically tied to her and she, she, of course, has, like, some sort of hidden power that could upset the whole spiritual world kind of thing going on. So I, it kind of has, like, uh, it's more of a classic trope, but the one that comes to mind right now is Fushigi Yuki, just kind of like, you know, all of your spiritual protectors. I don't really know where the plot's going yet, but protecting her as she's, like, navigating spirit world meets real world politics kind of thing. Um, I think it's interesting. It could get a little perilous with the whole with the, the, i don't know how i feel about the dowry thing um yeah, but uh it's been pretty neat so far uh especially in uh it it kind of does the uh natsume's book of friends thing where there's sometimes they'll do asides about items that have awakened into kami uh and like the relationships they had with the people who use the item like a grinding stone for example and then them kind of wanting to become an individual or continue existing within the real world uh, after the item that are like the item that created them has broken them. And normally they would return to, I don't know if it's like the spirit world or nothingness. So well, interesting stuff going on there. Nice. Legend of Heroes. Nobody's watching. Nope. It's such a bad adaptation. <laughs> Kubo won't let me be invisible. I I was watching and I dropped it because I just got tired of it. Okay. <laughs> we have I finite. Admittedly, don't even remember what one we have finite about. minutes on this earth, and I have to respond. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Kubo fans. Uh, the Ice Guy and his cool female colleague. Are neither of you watching this? I I'll no. admit I fell behind on it, but I do still like it. I think it's really cute. Okay. Oh I think God. it's really cute. It's one of our requested titles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I admit I, I fell behind on it just because time and life, but I do really like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really cute. I like the dynamic. Um, Fuyutsuki is uh, my 
I, I, I actually really like her as a female character. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Himuru is also really cute. Yeah. <laughs> He's just adorable. Such a sweetie. I think, yeah, it, it's a pretty sweet series. Uh, I, it does kind of, I'm of two minds, because I think Fuyusuke's kind of like the uh, active one in the relationship, mm-hmm. whereas Himuro is too kind of shy and ends up being very bashful and kind of reactive to the the ways that she kind of reaches out to him. Although, there, you know, there, you know, sometimes there's like an interplay, she'll get embarrassed about stuff, so it's not completely one-sided. I do think it is a bit strange, though, since they're both like adults who are working in an office, uh, that they are obvious, like obviously interested in each other. They've all but gone on dates so far, but they're still not in a official, any kind of recognized relationship. Mm-hmm. It's really it, like existing in this twilight realm. <laughs> it's it's interesting because this is another case of like where something feels really chaste. Mm-hmm. Yes, because like it's super obvious that. Fuyutsuki and Himuro like each other like there's no question but there's this like there's this like we can't but we want to but we can't kind of like vibe about it yeah it's that there's like no can't they just don't like there's no reason they shouldn't it it never explores their internal like dialogue where they're saying like well what if they reject me even like fear of rejection has not appeared as a reason why they wouldn't ask one another out you know yeah yeah. Like and it's and, and I, my my hope is that by the end that'll be significantly that'll it'll it'll just be gone like yes just, please because because it that that tug of war where it's really only a one sided tug of war is not satisfying yeah <laughs> especially because like there's there's no reason that these two adults can't just make a decision to date and like should it progress further you know assumably in this universe in japan like they'll just you know someone will move to the to a different office or to a different department like it'll be fine mm. but but it is it is frustrating in a like in a like simmering way to be like come on come on kiss or something hold hands and be affectionate and like just yeah. just you want this relationship just go into it mm-hmm. it's okay yeah yeah like please do something yeah it's because this this isn't it isn't slow burn so much as it's like a glacial <laughs> kind of like yeah i mean but at the same time they like exchange like gifts under a christmas tree yeah. uh yeah everybody's always letting them go off alone so it's like they're doing relationship stuff already yeah. yeah they just haven't put a they haven't put a label on it yeah and i i do this is a case where i'm like oh i would really like them to yeah because they're because they're basically acting under the auspices of being in a relationship it's just that it's not and and maybe maybe behind the scenes there's like some rule in their office that we don't know of as the viewer <laughs> but also yeah Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like is is our office romance is illegal because uh, that doesn't seem to be the case because everybody's doing it now, right? Yeah, I I like it a lot. I like mm-hmm. it a lot, and I I I think it's it's good. Just kind of like it's kind of like the warm bowl of soup of anime. It's just kind of satisfying on a base level, yeah. Because you kind of know what to expect, and I think sometimes it's just nice to have a show where there's the plot twist is just that you enjoy it yeah sweet and uncomplicated yeah uh ice blade sorcerer shall rule the world uh i'm actually uh, i'm kind of enjoying it has it improved it's a really bad fantasy but also it's kind of like zelda where everybody just seems like a typical trope character but the moment you spend any time with them you realize they're 
a freak who is like obsessed with bugs or uh, <laughs> does 1,000 squats in their room every day. It's like Twilight Princess. All right. Uh, high card. I'm the only one watching. Farming Life in Another World. Nobody's watching. Campfire Cooking. I don't. Is there anything to discuss? <laughs> You know, I found it's probably the anime is probably not going to get to it, but I did find out some spoilers for the for the novel. I swear to God, if you say slavery, I won't yeah. say slavery. I won't say slavery. Okay, <laughs> so I won't. I mean, I won't say anything. But I won't um, say slavery. Okay. Oh no! <laughs> not the cooking anime. <laughs> okay. Buddy daddies. Another requested. So this one did win me over. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious what you think of the portrayal of the the little girl. So for, like, first episode, didn't love it. Was like, this child is just wandering tearfully through a gunfight. Like, she is clearly in peril. Children don't always have the best self-preservation instincts, but they have more than this. So I was not big on it. After that point, it Mary did start to feel a lot more like a person, or well, she felt more like a child, but then also kind of like an agent of chaos. And as the series has gone, she has felt more and more like a person, which could correspond to kind of how Ray and Kazuki see her. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a, that's a deliberate choice. I don't know if that show is intelligent enough for that. Cause it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty doofy show. Like it is not particularly smart about anything. There are some really contrived plot lines. Uh, it does have a fridged wife. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, in terms of, I love, but I also, I do love Miss Anna. Like, it's like, yeah, no, that's a. She's so good. She, she's very, like, she's very real. That's the job. That's, that's how, what I do. That's how I talk to parents. Well, that's how I try to talk to parents. I'm not the best at talking to parents. It's kind of one of my weak points um, in my career. But, you know, and. So here's the thing. It's not gay at all. Yeah, no. no. It is the most sexless co-parenting I have ever seen. There is not an ounce of heat between Kazuki and Rei. Now, if that's not what you're looking for, that's not a bad thing. You know, two two dudes heterosexually raising a child together. Should we? We should all be so lucky. Um, but okay. if I mean, if you're here to 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 you know be part of the migratory Fujoshi fandom, which we all know is a thing, you'll still find your people. I looked at Ao3. There's over 200 picks, which is a pretty solid number for a seasonal anime that no one is going to care about after it ends like let's be let's be honest here this one this doesn't this one does not have staying power um but yeah it's it's fun miri's pretty well written um we got some i got some angst in the last couple of episodes we got some 
backstory. Kazuki's wife gets exploded. Like most ridiculous fridging I've ever seen. <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> I, I laughed. I, I it laughed. was so yeah. She literally got exploded. Yeah, it's like there was a car chase, and you know, it's the classic movie like hit a gas tanker, and uh, she just and happened she was to be just standing, standing there in the same street at the same time. <laughs> Trying not to laugh about it right now. <laughs> was she? Was she okay? Was she pregnant at the time? Like, because Kazuki's got like these memories of like, and and like, oh yeah, that reminds me also on the topic of like you know gender in this it does fall into like very like classic parental roles like even if they're both men like kazuki is the mom oh yeah yeah he he, like and i can kind of construct justifications with it of it because like you know clearly he was ready to be a parent Mm -hmm. um he had domestic you know he had domestic skills um he wanted to be a father he was going to be a father and then he didn't get to be a father and but now he does but you know he runs around in an apron like in his kind of horror fantasies of like messing up raising miri and her she turns out to be a delinquent like he uses very feminine body language and to be fair this series is also very honest like he's doing a lot of work that's not getting reciprocated no not at all <laughs> and or appreciated and so i do like i am glad that they do you know acknowledge that but it's not a gender revolutionary series it's very no, it's 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 what it is yeah it is what it is you know, I didn't have super ex- high. I had low expectations, and it exceeded them at least. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's, it's not a smart or nuanced series, and that's fine. It's goofy. I have no additional thoughts. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say much that. like the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady. Yeah. This series is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. There is a long pause there because we're all just kind of like, boy, what we could probably honestly do a whole podcast about this one. The the plot is so like the main character is just like, I'm just chilling. I like, uh, I I like this girl. My brother divorced her. So I I got her hanging out in my area where I just do crazy mad science experiments. And the plot just keeps coming after her, man. (laughs) She can't escape it. I love Ani's so much yeah she's good um she does take meth to make herself stronger in battle <laughs> I mean, oh, well what? i mean she invented meth so. she, yes she <laughs> yeah. did invent meth it's not like she's distributing a legal drug she's oh the God. only person in the world who has the drug not her crate in the crystal that oh god okay no that's i think that's a different thing that's the dragon oh, crystal right? oh yeah. okay okay i don't know if I, I don't know much about drugs she's like snorting pisky a pixie dust or something oh my so, god yeah. <laughs> well yeah. um i did really appreciate the sh- the care that the the story really gave to euphilia's emotional process i have to make sure i don't say euphemia because mm-hmm. that's code geass 
because like when she gets when al rejects her what a silly name for a prince when al rejects her like i mean she didn't want this marriage it was a political marriage they didn't like each other but that was what she was expecting and so when anis rescues her like she's gonna have a better life than she would have otherwise she's gonna be happier but she still kind of has to go through this depression and grieving process just because her life got so upturned and what happened at that ball was so hurtful to her and so saddening you know so i thought that was just a really beautiful little touch Mm -hmm. to include that even though she knows that she's going to be happier than she would have been she still has to get through that the these feelings of sadness and rejection yeah i think it's also i think she's really like confronted with the the fact that she has to is going to have to live her life for herself now and which is just totally alien to her because she's been so dutiful up to this point so yeah. uh, even even if it's like you're free now uh, if you don't know what to do with that i i it definitely i thought it did a good job of showing how like lost she felt mm-hmm. yeah yeah like what do i do what do i want to do i don't know uh, my entire life was scripted so yeah i i i thought that was a good uh i guess f- first story arc <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you know those two are just such great gals being pals yeah <laughs> uh in a totally heterosexual way wait i can't say that it's gonna be taken out of context this show's gay y'all yeah. very kind of I suppose I should talk about this. Am I the only one watching it? Okay. All right. Keep it brief. This is like, uh, there are, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's I was going to say it's, it's Nihei, actually Nihei and Oshi. This ties into Fire Hunter, so I can, I can say it. I think are, both of them are making their most Miyazaki anime ever right now. Uh, they both seem to have super environmentalist themes. Um, it's kind of hard to tell where it's going, especially because Nihei like makes such alien worlds where he's going to land with all this. But it does seem sort of really directed uh, toward that end. I will say now, for, for context, who yeah. is Nihei? Uh, Tsutomo Nihei is a famous mangaka. He he authored uh, Blame, uh, Knights of Sidonia, Biomega. He's really known in like the cyberpunk science fiction uh-huh. sphere. Okay. Uh, he went to an architectural college. So his environments are like he, a lot of his storytelling initially was done through environments. And I feel like the more he introduces characterization into it uh, and like relationships and stuff, uh, you really kind of see the holes in his writing. Uh, he, he has kind of uh, ever since the Knights of Sidonia fallen, like kind of relied more and more on uh, we'll call them tired anime tropes. Uh, this mm. show just recently did a scene in a sauna uh, where somebody's towel fell off, um, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I, I can say I'm I'm not too enthused about the series from that perspective. I do want to know what the the story with this weird kind of fractured world uh, he's trying to tell is, and if it has anything to do with like us, uh, you know screwing up the environment and causing all this. And if he has any kind of solutions in mind or where he wants to go with that, but yeah, 
I wish he would just stick to having lone individuals exploring vast, uh, unfathomable environments and, and letting that be the main thrust of his narrative though, because when he did that, he was like peerless and didn't do creepy anime shit. So nice. that's that. I'll mm-hmm. check back in on that one. So let's see. We've got Endo and, Kobay- Endo and Kobayashi. Also requested. I haven't been watching this one. I, I think, I think none of us are. Oh no. <gasps> no. We messed up. Okay. Sorry. For, End of season, we'll have to get somebody. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I won't be on end of season. It's it's one I wanna. It's one I want to watch, but it's it's once again, it's just when life happened, I did have to kind of prioritize. Yeah, Uh, Technoroid. So I do want (laughs) to say a few words about Technoroid because Mm -hmm. this show is wild. Um, because it's it's striding this really interesting line between androids that are becoming idols to pay for their electric bill in their upkeep because they do not have an owner or any, any kind of caretaker that's an adult versus social upheaval due to technophobia. Um, it's, it's, it is, it is much more than I thought it was ever going to be. The show is really aware of like, we are coming on a future. We're probably within all three of our lifetimes, like some sort of Android can probably be realized and this is a society that like it's dealing with active it's it's an active like climate dystopia the oceans have risen humans can't go out without like wearing some kind of protection on their skin because of the sun and um androids kind of androids and robots filling these gaps but there is just this rampant like very big january 6th energy and a lot of the recent episodes towards androids and like this fear of them and then sometimes you just get an idol song (laughs) (laughs) all right like yeah it's it's jarring but it's interesting um also at one point the robots do get caught by not being able to clip a captcha code because they're robots oh my god that's (laughs) really funny it's quite funny yeah so that's that's technoroid that kind of humor makes me know that they are like they they're they're thinking the galaxy braining on the plot. So that's yeah. actually, <laughs> I'm that maybe that more than anything else has me interested Yeah, <laughs> more than anything else you said has me interested in the series. Yeah. But, fair. Fair. Yeah. So, uh, Ipon again. Yeah. So once again, I am behind on this one. Um, it is definitely, it definitely offers a lot of what I've been looking for in a girl sports series. They are like treated seriously as athletes. Um, without like having their boobs bouncing everywhere. Um, it's got some real nice Yuri vibes to some of the relationships. Um, I do have to say, I have a hard time telling the characters apart sometimes. Yeah, the main character's hair keeps changing, uh, especially in the last few episodes. So her hair's changed like three times, which had, I'm like, who is this new character? And like, it's just her. They keep, yeah, like... It's really, really, it, it, I'm fine with more grounded character designs. You know, I don't need neon hair, but like, oh, what's the name of that character designer? They did Run With the Wind and Haikyuu. That's kind of what I think of as like, I know I always bring these shows up as like some of the gold standards for sports anime, but it is what it is. 
And those are also things that do a really, really great job of having the characters look like real people ish. Like they have like some of them have funky hair colors, but that's because they dye their hair, you know, but also being very, very easily distinguishable. Whereas the girls in Iponagan, they all have like, they have like different facial features, but they all have the same build. They all have those kind of like pudgy faces, which is not, not a bad thing. They just all look really similar yeah. and they all have brown or black hair. So it's just really, really hard to tell them apart sometimes. But I'm also enjoying the series because, you know, Judo is cool and they're the writing is fun and it's really cool seeing them you know actually like be athletes so yeah yeah i think it's also interesting since it seems like it's a sports series where like the main character is probably the worst of the group at the sport uh and she's just trying to catch up the entire series it seems like that's not that strange for a sports series. I don't know. I guess like in most of them, they, they like reveal some sort of secret talent really early on. Oh yeah. Like they have, maybe they're untrained, but they have like an aptitude. Yeah. And the main girl just really wants to get an Ippon. Just really wants to throw someone right on their back. Yeah. I'm, en- I'm I mean, enjoying it doesn't. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's fun. I do think it, <laughs> I uh I wanted oh, I, one thing I did want to bring up I I I don't know how to it seemed like they were trying to set up the joke where the girls uh, accidentally mistake their teacher for a man since they were playing that game where you like romance your teacher just before their introduction but I don't know if I just missed something or they just decided like maybe that's a bad idea and just didn't do I, it because nothing came of it I don't know I right? I think they they just got excited I I mean to me it just felt like they were excited that they had like a supportive teacher. Yeah. But I think there was that um, element rather where... than the one that they thought they were going to get. Yeah. You know, maybe they are and maybe they're gay. Well, either way they, they didn't do the bad thing. So I guess it's, it's for the best. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to close it out with a fire hunter. So I dropped fire hunter. Okay. After three episodes. So I'm, I'm curious why. Because okay. I'm on the fence about it because it's giving me, I, I, it sounds interesting, um, but I keep going back and forth. So the direction is terrible. The animation looks like, at first it seemed like maybe they were doing something intentional, but I think the animation is just really, really bad. Oof. And the writing, I don't know, like, I know there's a source novel, but... Here's the thing. Oshi is doing the script. Mamoru Oshi, director of Ghost in the Shell, pop, the Potlober movies. He did a bunch of episodes of Aruse Yatsura. Um, he did that one bad vampire anime that no Flat one loved. Yeah. He, I don't really like him as a writer. Now, I don't know what the source novels were like, but as he is cold, he is. He has said that characters are his bottom priority when it comes to writing. Oof. He is wordy. They, he is given to mon- characters monologuing about concepts in ways that don't like b- 
build on their relationships or their personalities. I saw Ghost in the Shell Innocence in the theaters. Worst mistake ever. So boring. So boring. And so I find the lack of like, I would love to read the source novels. Super yeah. interesting world. I think I watched three episodes. I loved Benio. Don't know if she sticks around, but Benio. loved Benio. Is that the girl who doesn't want to get married? Yeah. Yeah, she's main cast. Awesome. Yeah. Love her. Would read the fuck out of those source novels. But mm. the anime is just not good. It's just not good. Yeah, I, uh, well, on the, I, uh, love Oshi's work, <laughs> uh, personally. <laughs> but, uh, I, it's really hard to tell how, for me, like, how much of this is just, like, they don't have money. Because, it seems like the anime is really wanting to bring back like that early OO's anime type feel, uh, that era. And I do not think they, you just can't do that in the modern era, especially if you're not part of a big project that has a ton of resources. So I, I don't know how much of this is potentially like direct, like creative decisions or uh, decisions to just cause they're, to, to cut corners because they, they can't do what they actually want to do, uh, which makes this kind of a, a fascinating production because yeah, certain parts are <laughs> like kind of ugly as hell. Uh, the animation looks really bad. Uh, they do a lot of those like postcard memories, like all the time uh, to Oof. emphasize scenes. A really inappropriate yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, why did they do that? They could have just held the shot, the picture in picture stuff because they don't want to fully animate movement over an entire screen uh it 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 is it's kind of fascinating in the way that it it's so chinky uh, but yeah i'm in agreement with you that the, the world it's building is really fascinating it's got those like like again uh as i was saying that the, the miyazakian environmentalist themes with this world where it's like the ability to wield fire has been taken away from mankind it's got a really interesting cast of characters um it's kind of hard to tell where it's going at this point, especially because they, they just introduced like the, these spider guys who I guess can wield the fire and kind of like uh, what their relationship is with normal people and uh, maybe the potential reason why mankind isn't able to use fire anymore, uh, which I, I think all of those kind of revelations are really going to affect the tone of the environmentalist themes or maybe, maybe not uh, in the, the later narrative. Um, yeah, it is kind of like a show that you kind of have to appreciate around <laughs> the, the visuals a lot of the time. Although I do think the postcard style is really cool. It's got kind of like this like light sparky kind of visual to it that I, I think is really cool. I, do, I don't, the postcards are cool even if I am fascinated by some of the decisions about where to put them. So I will say, I'm, I, so the, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to actually give it a try based on both okay. of those comments. Cause like, uh, so far, I think the novel series is four novels, but of course okay. we don't have it in English. Um, so this is kind of the only way to engage. So I'll, I'll give it a fair shake. Mm -hmm. Opening and endings are great too. Okay. Super great. Okay. So we got any, uh, I think, I think that that takes us through the entire list thus far. It's a lot of anime. Oh my gosh. Um, anybody got any kind of last thoughts or uh, should I, should I segue us to close now? There's a lot of series that are like 
just good enough yeah. is my feeling about this season. Yeah. Like there's there's a couple of real standouts, but most of the series I feel like I'm watching a lot, but also like most of the series I'm watching it's like, yeah, it's fine. And I, I have to wonder if this is just kind of the the fate of anime seasons is because there's so much coming out. The one thought I had is that uh, the new character in Fire Hunter is voiced by uh, Yoshimasa Hosoya, uh, who is also Wolfwood. Uh, and it is a very good season for him. He's one of my favorite voice actors. It's got a really good voice act cast. It's got Kiri Ishida. It's got Maya Sakamoto. Like, yeah. It's got Mamoru Miyano. That's a great cast. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, Hayami. Toss some like Miyuki Sawashiro in there, and like that's like a dream team. Oh, and I'll, like Aoyuki. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's a good cast. Yeah. It's a good cast. So uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna close this up. Thanks so much for joining us, Annie Fam. If you liked what you heard, you can find more from us on our website at animefeminist.com, where we have articles from the staff and from contributors and even more podcast episodes for you to enjoy. If you really like what you heard, consider dropping us a dollar a month on our Patreon. That is patreon.com backslash anime feminist. It will give you access to bonus content like voting on what we cover out in mid-season podcast like this, as well as bonus podcast episodes and monthly recommendations from the staff. Donating to our Patreon helps us continue running the website and paying everyone who works for the site for what they do. We also have a Kofi, which is Kofi.com backslash anime feminist, where we are trying to raise money to raise our contributor rates for our editors and our contributors. And we would just really like to be able to pay folks more for the good stuff that they do for us. You can also find us on some other social media. We're on Twitter at, at anime feminist. We're on Tumblr at anime feminist. And we are on Mastodon at anime feminist. Thank you so much for joining us. Annie fam, until next time, I don't have a witty sign off, but have a good day.